Last week, we started a new series called The Other Kings. When talking about the kings of Israel, our focus is often on the big three, King Saul, King David, and King Solomon. But what about all the other kings? There were 39 other kings that ruled, but the majority of them were evil. In fact, only eight of them were considered good. Over the next few weeks, what we want to do is look at some of the lesser known good and bad kings of Israel to see what we can learn about faith through them, what we can learn from their story. And also want to explore if there's maybe some kings ruling our lives other than Jesus. When I was uh, a little kid looking back, I would say I was pretty good. I was a good kid, or at least good-natured. But I had my flaws, like anybody. One of those flaws was my inability to moderate my dessert intake. It remains a problem to this day. One Thanksgiving, and when I was probably in third or fourth grade, I went to the dessert table as a good boy with good intentions to get a piece of my mom's delicious homemade boysenberry pie. With ice cream, of course. Did I hear an amen? That was great. But the pie was so good that I couldn't just have one piece. So I had to go back and just get another. But I went to go play, and I worked up an appetite, so I came back to the dessert table, and I grabbed another piece of pie. And then I just had you know, one more piece, and then just maybe one more. Long story short, by the end of my Thanksgiving meal experience, I had eaten myself an entire boysenberry pie. Now, most of you can see this as adults, that uh, this isn't going to go to a good place. But the story doesn't end here. It was common after finishing our Thanksgiving meal with our friends that my little sister Kelly and I would spend the night at their house. So we did, but this time, their cousin that I happened to have a crush on was spending the night as well. So, with good intentions, I tried to woo her. But an eight and nine-year-old's idea of wooing usually misses the mark. So, one thing leads to another, and I decide the best way to impress her is by eating a piece of cat food. I don't know what my problem was. So, I grab a piece of cat food, and she starts chasing me, begging me not to eat it. So initially, I'm like, oh, getting the results I want. So I put it in my mouth, and I started chewing, and I swallowed it all down. Now, initially, everything was fine. That was until about a minute later, when I was uh, picking some things in between my teeth with my tongue, and a chunk of cat food came down. And a chain of events happened after that. I sprinted to the bathroom, and let's just say that my entire belly full of pie went bye-bye. <laughs> I didn't eat that whole pie, and I didn't eat that piece of cat food, wanting or expecting to lose it so quickly. And I didn't experience necessarily an immediate consequence for both. But there would eventually be repercussions to my actions. Most of us would consider ourselves good people, living life with good intentions. But every so often, we make a poor choice. Or maybe multiple poor choices. They have repercussions 
for us down the line. Today we're going to see what we can learn from a good but imperfect king and the repercussions of his reign. Our scripture for today comes from 2 Chronicles 20, verses 31 through 37. And our scripture reader for this week is Ron Miller. Would everyone who is able please stand up for the reading of God's word and face the center? Uh, We face the center and stand as a reminder of its centrality in our lives and that it's to be the primary lens to which we view the world. So Ron, whenever you're ready, go ahead and get started. Well, this is not only Mission Challenge Sunday, this is Scripture Reader Challenge Sunday as well. You'll see what I mean in a moment. So let's tackle 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Jehoshaphat reigned over Judah. He was 35 years old when he became king of Judah, and he reigned in Jerusalem 25 years. His mother's name was Azubah, daughter of Shilihai. He followed the ways of his father Asa and did not stray from them. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. The high places, however, were not removed, and the people still had not set their hearts on the God of their ancestors. The other events of Jehoshaphat's reign, from beginning to end, are written in the annals of Jehu, son of Hananiah, which are recorded in the book of the kings of Israel. Later, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, made alliance with Ahaziah, king of Israel, whose ways were wicked. He agreed with him to construct a fleet of trading ships. After these were built at Ezion Geber, Eliezer, son of Devahu, of Maresha, prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, Because you have made an alliance with Ahaziah, the Lord will destroy what you have made. The ships were wrecked and were not able to sail to trade. Thank you, Ron. You can be seated. I don't know what he's talking about. That was a pretty easy passage. <laughs> Thanks, Ron. The king we're going to be studying today is Jehoshaphat. And I'm not going to lie, it takes every power within me to not embrace my youth ministry background and make a joke about Jehoshaphat. Um, but I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to keep it there. But I had to at least name it. Uh, after the reign of Solomon, Israel would be split into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom still called Israel, and the southern kingdom, Judah. Jehoshaphat was the fourth kingdom of the tribe of Judah, I mean, in the, in the kingdom of Judah. As our scripture says, he was the son of King Asa. And like his father before him, he was considered a good king. His reign began around 873 BC at the age of 35 years old. And, in verse, and he reigned for 25 years. And we see a snapshot of what made Jehoshaphat a good king in verse 32 of our passage. It says, He followed the ways of his father Asa and did not stray from them. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. It says that Jehoshaphat would follow in the ways of his father. That's not always an easy task. King Asa's legacy, the father the father of Jehoshaphat, included leading Judah towards worshiping God alone. He made a strong effort to take away and destroy images, altars, and high places of foreign gods and commanded Judah to seek God and keep the law. While he ruled, there would also be relative peace in the land. Jehoshaphat would stand on the shoulders of his father before him and he would continue 
to be a worshiper of God alone. He would further the religious reforms his father initiated. Jehoshaphat continued his father's effort to abolish idol worship. He drove out male cult prostitutes and destroyed the Asherah poles where people had worshipped false gods. He would also attempt to solidify his nation's devotion to God by sending out judges throughout the entire kingdom to help teach people the laws of God. Throughout his reign, God would give favor to Jehoshaphat, strengthening his kingdom, making him wealthy, and bringing him a season of peace and rest from the surrounding kingdoms. Sounds like a pretty great king, doesn't he? He was. He would become one of the country's most successful rulers for a simple reason. He followed the commands of God. He was a man that did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And his intentions and heart were in the right place, longing to have his people worship the one true God. So we've established that our king was a good king. But even good kings have faults and make mistakes, just like us. We see in verse 33, just one verse later, that it says, The high places, however, were not removed, and the people still had not set their hearts on God, the God of their ancestors. Despite the king's attempt to eliminate the worship of other gods, it says that he failed to get rid of all the high places. Now, high places were pagan places of worship located on a high hill or a, a mountain. They were located on a mountain in an attempt to get them closer to the gods they were worshiping. High places were centers for idolatry and was a place where people would go to worship gods and also sacrifice animals or children for them. One of the struggles the Israelites had was in addition to worshiping the one true God, they easily found themselves also worshiping the false gods. Or maybe even blending their cultures where they would go and worship the one true God, but at the high place, that's not a place to worship God. The struggle would be a major factor that kept people from fully devoting themselves to God. So what went wrong? Jehoshaphat did all these great things, and yet the people did not follow. It seems like with all the reforms, initiatives that were made, there should be better results from such a great king. See, the problem is whether good or bad, when we look at the lives of the kings of Israel, we see a reoccurring theme of struggling with compromise. David's compromise would lead him down a trail of lust. Solomon's down a path of pride and self-reliance. And last week we looked at King Ahab and saw how political compromise led him to making reckless relationships. Although Jehoshaphat was a good king that had a heart for God and a heart for his people to follow suit, Throughout his reign, he would fall victim to compromising to the ways of the world, just like we tend to do. He would compromise his dependence on God and also form reckless relationships. 
even when we're really committed to our faith, it is incredibly easy for us to find ourselves compromising our values in big or subtle, small ways. It happens through the movies and TV shows we find ourselves watching, the language that we let come out of our mouths, the friends we find ourselves spending the most time with, or the priorities we place in front of our faith. In the pursuit of peace, prosperity, and safety for his kingdom, Jehoshaphat would compromise his reliance on God and his standards for who he aligned himself with. We see him do this multiple times in scripture. We see it in our, in our passage today in verse 35. It says, Later Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, made an alliance with Ahaziah, king of Israel, whose ways were wicked. King Ahaziah was the son of King Ahab, the person from last week, and he was a chip off the old block. In fact, God would make sure he had a short reign because of his evil. But like his father before him, he engaged in idolatry, he worshipped Baal, and did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Yet the king of Judah, this good king, still made him an ally so that he could provide for his kingdom. Jehoshaphat allowed for his values to be compromised. He aligned himself with an evil king to further his interests instead of trusting in God's provision. Even with a heart fully committed and devoted to doing right in the eyes of the Lord, this king could not fully subdue his sinful nature. Oftentimes, this is the nature of sin in our lives. Sin is deceptive. And it usually starts as something small and ambiguous, paving the way for us to compromise our biblical values. It's subtly flirting with the waiter or waitress or texting that attractive coworker when you're already married. It's only taking a little extra money when strapped for cash and you know your employer isn't going to notice. It's sharing that one juicy tidbit about something you heard about someone in the congregation. Our values are easily compromised by the deceptive nature of sin. The result of Jehoshaphat's compromise would not end well. The result of the king's alliance with Ahaziah is given in the second half of verse 37. It says, because you have made an alliance with Ahaziah, the Lord will destroy what you have made. The ships were wrecked and were not able to set sail to trade. These ships, the whole reason why he went into an agreement with this evil king, destroyed not even to set sail. The outcome of Jehoshaphat's compromise is applicable to the picture of what happens when we often find ourselves compromising and falling into sin. Like the wrecked fleet of ships, we find ourselves on a path of destruction. What starts as a smaller, subtle cave in our values snowballs into an issue capable of wrecking us and those around us. The extra flirting and texting turns into infidelity. 
The rough time with money taking just a little bit turns into embezzlement. And the sharing of one juicy little tidbit turns into a rumor of gossip that destroys someone's life. The king's issue of compromise was not just a one-time issue. And it's never a one-time issue with us either. We see him compromise who he lines himself elsewhere in scripture. If we go back a little bit to 2 Chronicles 18.1, it says, Now Jehoshaphat had great wealth and honor, and he allied himself with Ahab, the Ahab, by marriage. Earlier in his reign to ensure peace and safety for Judah, Jehoshaphat had his son, Jehoram, get married to Atalia, the daughter of the Baal-worshipping King Ahab and his wife Jezebel. Instead of trusting in God's provision, he would take matters into his own hands and made an alliance with the evil king of the north. The intentions behind his actions were most likely for peace, for good reasons. But his actions displayed a lack of faith in God's provision. Instead of trusting that God would provide, he tried to fix the problem himself. He found a solution, and when that solution went against what God had to do, he still did it. What God wanted him to do, he still did it. What I find fascinating about King Jehoshaphat's reign is that he ruled very similarly to how we live our lives as Christians. I'm going to guess that most of us here try to live for and serve God. But we often find ourselves compromising our values and allowing for sin to creep into different aspects of our lives. God's word describes Jehoshaphat as a man that was obedient to God and a man that did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And yet, obviously, he was not perfect. In a similar way, when we put our faith in Jesus, we are no longer defined by or slaves to our sin and our flaws. Instead, we find our identity in Christ and his love for us despite our imperfections. Many of us here have a longing to live a life where we do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. And because of this, we make a decision to follow Jesus. We go to church every Sunday. We sing during our worship time. And we read our Bibles at least a couple times a week, right? We, we, we go to Bible studies and we pray regularly. But the reality is, as we do this, we will occasionally find ourselves compromising our biblical values and falling into sin. When this is happens, it's important that we don't um, put ourselves in a cycle of guilt and shame. That's not of God. But instead, with a humble heart of repentance, bring our sin to God. Give him our sin. Ask for forgiveness. Because when we do this instead, we do find forgiveness and we allow for him to cleanse and renew us. But there's a, harsh lesson, there's a harsh lesson or reality to learn from King Jehoshaphat's life. When we look at his time as king, we'll find 
that he has a reign of repercussions. He was a good king, someone who followed God, but that didn't keep his sin from impacting his kingdom. We see the repercussions of his compromise just a few verses after this. 2 Chronicles 21, verses 4 through 6. When Jehoram established himself firmly over his father's kingdom, he put all his brothers to the sword, along with some of the officials of Israel. Jehoram was 32 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem eight years. He followed the ways of the kings of Israel, as the house of Ahab had done. For he married the daughter of Ahab. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now, I want to take a quick second to preface. Parents, we do not have any control over what our children decide to believe and put their faith in. And mentors and people who invest in others, we cannot control people making a decision to follow Jesus. But our sin and our actions do impact the people around us. Our children, the people we influence, are affected when we compromise our faith and biblical values and allow for that sin to creep into our lives. Just one generation removed from this good king, we see his son become an evil king that murders his brothers. We see a king that returns to the ways of Ahab, worshiping Baal and, worship and, and doing idol worship. And we see a king defined in God's word as doing what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. Jehoshaphat was a good king. I can't stress that too much. That was committed to being obedient to God and doing what was right. But that didn't stop his compromised values or his sin from having repercussions. His reckless relationships with evil kings would impact the reign of his son. When Jehoshaphat had his son Jehoram marry the daughter of King Ahab, this set the foundation and trajectory for his kingdom to return to embracing foreign gods and idol worship. His willingness to partner with an evil king opened the door for his son to become one. And his second alliance with Ahaziah just reinforced that it's okay to make a little bit of compromise here and there. As we live our lives for Jesus, we must cling to this new identity that we find in Christ. It's our hope. But we also have to understand the weight of our sin that we're still working through and how it impacts the world around us. When we get drunk, when we yell at our spouse, when we make our smartphone our idol in front of our kids, they notice and it impacts them. When we're at a game and we swear at the referees, when we walk into that raunchy R-rated film, when we allow for our political views to keep people from seeing the love of Jesus, people notice and it affects people. Even if we feel we have a good relationship with Jesus and repent from our sin, it doesn't mean that there are not repercussions from the sin that we do. As we reflect on King Jehoshaphat, 
It's my hope that we can be convicted of the ways that we compromise our values and allow for sin to creep into our lives. But it's also so, so, so important to remember that the gospel is real. And the gospel changes everything. Which means that when we put our faith in Jesus, our mistakes no longer define us. Because God has forgiven them and he has redeemed us from our sin. He's a God that makes all things work towards his good. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and for what it can teach us. Lord, I pray that today would be a day that we become convicted of the sin we're allowing to impact the lives of other people and impact our lives. And God, that if we haven't made a decision to come to know and follow you, that we do so, that we can experience your forgiveness, your love and your grace and your redemption. We love you, God, and we just pray that you will be with us. Help us to be a light in the world and reflect you in all that we do. We love you and it's in your name we pray, amen. Let's close with this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you all peace. And all God's people said, amen. amen.